The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Right now, we're going to continue our retrospective, uh, looking back on the life and times of Michael Collins. And Ronan McGreevy is back with me, the Irish Times journalist and the author of the book Great Hatred, the Assassination of Field Marshal Sir Henry Wilson MP. Ronan, uh, it's good to see you again. So much, we, we, we went on Tuesday kind of from birth through to 1916, early 1916. Uh, yesterday, we packed an awful lot in uh, from, from the rising through to well, the, the end of the War of Independence, really. And we were talking about the truce being called and how the IRA at the time really were on their knees in terms of resources and manpower. So we will take things up there. When that truce was called, was there a sense that it would last, that this really was the end of everything? No, uh, not really. I mean, there was a general mood of euphoria in the country and relief that the war was over for the time being. But Collins really didn't believe it and he, he, he went around the country telling the IRA units, you know, that like you, you, you can't you can't you can't stand down now. We don't know that this truce is going to last. And there was a lot of scepticism that it would last, but as it turned out it did. But the reason for the the, the, the uh, truce was because Lloyd David Lloyd George invited De Valere to talks in, in Downey Street um, to discuss, you know, the future. And this was in itself a triumph for, for the IRA and for Sinn Féin because it would have been inconceivable six months previously. You know, Lloyd George was talking about doing to, to Ireland what the Union had done to the Confederate States. But anyway, De Valera is invited to London. He brings a big entourage with him but not Michael Collins. And Collins is upset about this. And De Valera says to him, you know, if we bring you, you're going to be all over the newspapers. They're going to have photographs of you. Yeah, because this is what yeah. you, you were talking yeah. to us yes. yesterday about this, about the importance for Collins in terms of intelligence, yeah. that yeah. they didn't know what he looked like. Yes, and and there are there were very occasional photographs, but they weren't very good ones. So if he had gone to, if he had been put into the spotlight at that stage, um, he, he, he would have been, pretty useless in terms of, 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 of recognition if the war started again. This officially is De Valera's reason. But anyway, um, <laughs> Lloyd George Lloyd George tells De Valera, um, you know, you, you're not going to get a republic. And, and he also tells Lloyd George or he tells De Valera that, you know, De Valera goes into him and says, I am coming as the representative of a sovereign Irish republic. And Lloyd George says, no, you're not. But, so this goes on all summer. And then in September, um, uh, Lloyd George breaks the logjam saying that we want to have talks on the basis of Ireland's national aspirations, how that can be reconciled with Ireland's membership of the British Empire. So this is what breaks the logjam. So then it's decided who's going to London to negotiate on behalf of the um, of the of, of the Irish and the the kind of the common view uh, uh, that the, the prevailing narrative is that. You know, Dev sent Collins because he knew he wasn't going to get everything he wanted. I mean, how true is that? Or was there did was there a sense of that at the time? Did Collins Absolutely did Collins was. go knowing that listen, this is not going to be popular what we come back with? Well Collins begged not to go and he said, you know, uh uh, you know, I'm the only. It pictures me as mysterious. The picture he's talking about the British media talking about as mysterious, active menace, elusive, unknown, accountable. And in this respect, I was the only living Irishman of whom it could be said. 
bring me into the spotlight of a London conference and quickly I'll be uh, it will be discovered the common clay of which I made the glamour of the legendary figure will be gone and he also said to De Valera I'm not a statesman I'm not a politician you are but Dave insisted uh, for reasons which are best known to him that he was going to stay behind he was going to be the arbiter of last resort this is the official line anyway so he sends so Collins and, and, and Griffith Arthur Griffith lead the delegation um, there's a five member delegation and they are given what's known as plenipotentiary powers which means that they have full powers allegedly to negotiate on behalf of the of of, of Ireland um, but De Valera, De Valera tells them don't sign anything till you come back to me to come back to us and we'll discuss it further. So, I mean, they were there really, they complained throughout the talks about having one hand behind their back when it came to negotiation. Uh, ultimately, what we end up with is the Anglo-Irish Treaty. What did Collins think of, of, of the deal he got? Well, we know what he thinks, he thought of the deal that he got. I mean, he said, famously said to uh, Birkenhead, who was one of the British negotiators, um, you know, Birkenhead says to him, I have signed my may have signed my political death warrant to which Collins responded I may have signed my actual death warrant and you know Collins was he knew that this was going to be a hard sell but his views of it was that the most important thing is to get the British out of the 26 counties as it was then and we're going to build you know we can build our own country we can build our own national army and that was to him trumped all the stuff about the oath of allegiance to the king and so on. So he he then went obviously after after he signs the treaty there's a huge split in in Dublin Devil Era's incensed because he hasn't been he hasn't been consulted before they signed he walks out of the cabinet but he's defeated at cabinet so then we have the treaty debates and Collins makes his critical intervention on the 16th of December 1921 who makes his famous speeches this isn't the freedom that it isn't. It's not the total freedom that we want, but it's the freedom to achieve freedom. So here he sets out what he believes is his famous step and stone argument that this is going to be. This is only the start of our our, our uh, separation from Britain. And then about three weeks later, the treaty is approved. The treaty is passed yeah. uh, by a majority vote. What happens next? Well, it's 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 passed very narrowly by a vote of sixty four to fifty seven, and most commentators think that. Collins's uh, Collins's support for the treaty is absolutely vital. He, he has so much personal. He, he he puts his whole personal goodwill on the line for all of this. So uh, De Valera walks out of um, cabinet. Uh, Griffith is appointed as the um, uh, president of the Dáil, and Collins becomes the chairman of the provincial provisional government, and he's also the minister of finance in this new government. So straight away, you know, there's a crisis of legitimacy in the new Irish state, and there's also, I mean. The first six months of six, before the the, the 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 civil war, he's not just dealing with, um, you know, the crisis of legitimacy with many in the IRA not accepting the legitimacy of the provisional government, but there's also huge ructions in the north. There's the pogroms that are being announced since 1920. So in January 1920, he makes two attempts to try and end the persecution of the Catholics in the north. He has two pacts with James Craig. Both of them break down, and um, so in May 19. 19- 22 he is the main driving force behind what's known as the Northern Offensive this is an attempt by the post-treaty IRA to destabilise the North by military means it's a disaster because um 
you know, they're faced with uh, something over 70,000 men in arms in the north between the Ulster Special Constabulary, the RUC and the British Army. So his northern, his attempts to deal with the north or to end partition by force fail in, in, in the first five months of uh, 1922. So, so things are kind of fairly chaotic at this stage. I mean, he's had this abject failure when it comes to yeah. the north. You've got this question of legitimacy. You have his old comrades in arms outside the tent now, you yeah. know, suggesting that, listen, this is not what we all signed up for. How do we get from that turmoil to civil war? Well, there are attempts in the spring of 1922 to stave off a civil war. The most uh, obvious example being a packed election. There's a le- there's a general election scheduled for June 1922, which is a very important election. De Valera and Collins sign a pact that they will put up candidates according to their respective strengths in the in Dollar and so you have pro-treaty Sinn Féin candidates and anti-treaty uh, Sinn Féin candidates and such. The British are incensed by this. They feel that the, that the uh, Irish uh, the, the, the electorate are not being given a proper choice and that it will end up eventually with um, uh, anti-treaty politicians in the in Irish government which is against the terms of the treaty so the British aren't very happy about this but the, the election goes ahead on the 16th of June um, it's a very big victory for pro and treaty neutral forces and it's a, it's a defeat for the anti-treaty side um, the pro-treaty side went 78% of the vote so as far as the British are concerned the provisional government now has a mandate yes. from the people to 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 um, to act, but just six days after the election, which is the subject of my book, Henry Wilson is shot dead on the streets of his home in London, and the British government's patience, as far as they can see, with the provisional government snaps. Um, they say you have to you have to deal with the anti-treaty side now because the anti-treaty side have been ba- blamed for the Wilson shooting. So straight away. Uh, despite the euphoria of the 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 the, the uh, victory in the election, the provisional government is back in war mode. It's either going to have to face off against the British, or it's going to have to risk civil war by dealing with the anti-treaty side. So they take the path of least resistance, and they decide to borrow guns from the British and shell the four courts. And before we get to to Bail Nabla, which we will in a moment, do, do we know are there surviving accounts of how Collins felt about this? this episode, where he found himself, as effectively as some might describe it, acting under British orders to shell the forecourts. Yes, well, I mean, we, 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 we don't, we, all we know is, I mean, from these recently released diaries that he was already thinking on the 28th of June when the war broke out, we need to borrow money to, to finance this war. He was talking about getting, um, he was talking about buying, you know, machine guns and armour, and etc, etc. So we already know that, like, Basically, I think he he had given in to the to the British uh, British ultimatum. But it's not just his decision. You see, it's it's a cabinet decision that was made on the twenty seventh of of June, and ostensibly the reason was because they had kin- kidnapped. Uh, a Free State General J.J. O'Connell and also there was so much unrest in the country there was there was bank robberies going on there was killings going on that I think Collins had had, had resigned himself that, that he was going to have to face down and also one other thing I would say in relation to that is Collins had hoped that once the uh, once the shelling of the four courts happened and the garrison and the anti-treaty garrison in there surrendered that that would be the end of it that there wouldn't actually be a civil war okay short short sharp and painful yes, that's but that, it, that yeah. would be the end of it rip yeah. the plaster off um so then we fast forward 
to August, August 1922, yes. this coming Monday would mark 100 yes. years since his death in Bail and the Blah. What, what was he doing there? He was, um, first of all, he was, he, well, there's, there's so many differing accounts of why he was in, 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 uh, in, um, Cork at that time. One of which was to inspect the, um, the, National Army garrisons. Another was uh, apparently to look for money that had been um, siphoned off. Uh, he, he, there was some arrears and accounts in Cork. Um, thirdly, uh, he wanted to. Um, there, there was some talk that he was trying to make peace with the anti-treaty side. And as it turned out, actually, De Valera was in Cork at the same time. So in he, August, he was dressed as a nun shooting Collins in yes, the back. Right. That's what our Fine, our Fine Gael listeners are expecting <laughs> yes. you to say. I'm afraid it's not that dramatic. I'm afraid I, I have some uh, some some disappointment for them in that. Um, so he's in he's in basically in in Cork to try and and shore up the 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 pro treaty and to national army to to inspect the national army. And remember, he's a commander in chief of the national army at this stage, and he's also putting out peace feelers. He's hoping to use his personal charisma and his personal um, credibility to persuade the anti-treaty side that there's no point in carrying on the war. Remember at this stage Dublin's taken, Limerick's taken, Cork's taken, Waterford's taken um, and then on the fateful day he has a very, very busy itinerary ahead of him. On the 22nd of August he leaves the Imperial Hotel at 6.15 in the morning and he's um, he's he's going around inspecting uh, the troops, inspecting garrisons. He's also meeting a lot of people that he hadn't seen for a long, long time and he's visiting his home place of Woodfield. So who, well, not who personally, I mean, who is it, who are this uh, this group of people then he ends up uh, in this firefight with that ultimately sees him killed? Well, it's actually, coincidentally, at that time, there was a meeting of the anti-treaty Cork brigades in Long's Pub and in a house uh, which is just behind. Long's Pub is at the crossroads of Bale and the Blah and uh, they're, uh, and he he swings by Bill and the the entourage he's with, the convoy that he's with, swings by um, uh, Bill and the in the morning time. Uh, he's spotted by uh, a sentry who reports to the anti-treaty side. And of course, he makes the cardinal error of coming back the same way on the way back. And it's getting very, very late. And most of those who are, were going to set out to ambush him had left, apart from, well, we, we hear different accounts of him. Many people were left, mm. but there might have been seven, there might have been four. But in any case, the convoy is stopped by um, these uh, by this ambush in Bail and Um General Anne McDalton, who's with him at that stage and is his kind of his military advisor and is really in terms of he's he's the one with the military experience, tells Collins to drive like hell. Don't don't engage this this and if you go I was in Belnablaw yesterday. I mean it is perfect ambush territory. It's a very narrow road on both sides. Uh, it's it's banked. Um, the 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 there's a parallel road running where where they which is very easy to to, to the, the 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 ambushers have all the the, the advantages yeah. of terrain. But anyway, for reasons best known to himself, Collins decides to engage them. Um, the there's a machine gun used in the fight by a guy called Jock McPeak from the Schlievenamon. That jams and therefore this gives the, an opportunity to the, the ambush party to fire back. And for some reason, Collins is standing up in the open. You know, this is what most people say. And he's sh- he shot in the head, one bullet, and he dies at the spot. 
and that happened 100 years ago. On Monday. Exactly, this coming Monday. Ronan, listen, it, it's been... Uh, it, it's been some task to squeeze the life and times of, of Michael Collins into kind of three 10-ish minute segments uh, but you've managed to do it remarkably well and I've really enjoyed it and I know the listeners uh, judging from the reaction as well have really enjoyed it and listen thank you so much You're uh, welcome, R- Kieran. Ronan McGreevy is an Irish Times journalist and he's the author of the book Great Hatred The Assassination of Field Marshal Sir Henry Wilson MP I want to mention that tomorrow we continue uh, our focus on Michael Collins I am meeting Nora Owen tomorrow in Collins Barracks of course named uh, for uh, Michael Collins wasn't always uh, now named for Michael Collins uh, she is a grandniece of Michael Collins and uh, the, you know that there are permanent uh, exhibits there um, to do with Michael Collins his great coat is there but there is a treaty an Anglo-Irish treaty specific um, uh, exhibition on at the moment so myself and Nora are going to go down there to have a look at that tomorrow and we'll bring you that uh, on the show the Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.